0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Well, we're wrapping up a series today. Um, If you are kind of new in connecting with us, um, we're in the sixth part. Um, We'll kick off a new series next week called Try This at Home. I, and so but this week we are starting our, or ending our retweet series. And if you've missed that, you can catch it on our podcast or you can catch it on uh, online on some of the archives on Facebook and those types of things. But this six weeks, we've been looking at this idea um, that though Jesus was God in the flesh, John one says that he was the word become flesh, the word of God become flesh. Um, and Jesus spoke, and we're going to see some moments in just a minute where Jesus is speaking, and, and he is, as he's speaking, he is giving new scripture for us to grab a hold of and lean on, but as a, as a man, as he was showing us what it really means to be human and to connect with God... Um, There were moments, critical moments, where Jesus references the scripture, where he doesn't say something new and amazing. He goes back to what was already spoken, what was already said. And he was teaching us that that's the way we should be living our lives. We should be living our lives framed by God's word, by what God has said. And that be the core place of guidance for our decision. So if you've got your... you version app your bible app open you got one of the bullets around you bulletins around you Uh, you can use your phone on a real easy way we've got a nice handy little um, qr code on the backs of the seats if you need to pull up a a digital bulletin that way but with this we've been looking at this concept that knowing what god has to say on an issue is vital and to making life giving choices and and we keep coming back to psalm 119 105 which says your word What God has to say, what God has declared, your word is a lamp to my feet. The truth is, is I'm in the dark until I know what God has said. I'm just clueless about the issues of life and what I'm facing until I know what God has to say on that subject. I might try to be able to figure it out. I might try to be able to, to take somebody else's thoughts on it. But until the light gets turned on with God's Word, I'm not, I don't really know where things are at in life, where I'm at in life. His Word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. It's showing where I'm not, but where I need to be headed. That's why we talk about here that we are guided by two core questions in our discipleship model. Or just simply, on a regular basis, genuinely asking these two things and letting the Holy Spirit guide of where are you and which way forward from here. If we just ask, let the Holy Spirit ask us that. And we ask the Holy Spirit, God, where am I? And which way do I need to move forward? What, what do you have for me, God? What's the next step? We don't have to know all the steps. We just have to need to know the next step. That God has for us. And if we'll continually do that. We will continually grow in Christ. Day by day. Moment by moment. His word is a lamp to our feet. And a light to our path. And the problem is. is So many times. We've lived under certain certain conditions. Long enough. That we think we know how to walk there. That we know how to get around there. And sometimes life is. Is, is, is messy and we're just used to stepping around things. We're just used to going around things. We're just used to, 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 to just having our own little workarounds. And now when we begin to walk with God, and all of a sudden He actually br- brings something new and fresh into our lives the way things should be, sometimes walking with God like that feels a little awkward. Because we're used to things not being steady. We're used to things not being sure. And walking by faith and being sure is very odd if you're new to that. And anytime we step into some new place. Um, years ago, about four years ago, in fact, in fact, this is kind of mean of me to even bring this subject up. Because all everybody who likes to go on cruises... Um, it's not allowed to do that right now. Who knows when cruise ships are going to open up again. And so there have been so many deferred over and over again. But. Pre all this, um, our family uh, likes to go on cruises. It's just uh, something we enjoy. And we went on a cruise out of uh, New Orleans. And so we go on this cruise out of New Orleans. And, of course, then you're, you have to kind of go up the Mississippi a little bit. And then you finally get out into the Gulf. And then you go out to your ports and do all of your stuff. Well, as we headed out, we were here out on this boat. We got out there. Well, um, a tropical storm uh, turned into a Category 1 Hurricane, and we were on the edge of this hurricane, so we're not going through. But it's enough um, that it, the water was was uh, a lot more unsteady um, than we would have liked for it to be. And so it was, you know, we didn't have you know the, the the glasses of water sliding around on the tables or anything. But as you were just walking down the corridors, um, you would just sit there, and it would be some of this. And then it's some of this, and then it's some of this, and, and it's just. And so, what was amazing is, is, as we were on that boat for, I want, I want to say it was like six days, um, we were sit there, and your body so wants to get through all of that and, and, and adjust that pretty soon you're like, it's not so bad. This isn't so bad. And your body begins to do all these little micro adjustments without you even trying. Well, here was so the boat is unsteady. You don't quite know how to step, but your body begins to adjust to it. Then, when we got off the boat, we got off the boat in New Orleans. We load up into uh, our to the vehicle to come back. We make our first stop at a convenience store. We all get out of the vehicle and we're walking into the convenience store, and we're like this. <laughs> and we were like, "Man, that whole family is drunk." Um that's messed up. Even that little 4-year-old's drunk. What is happening over here? And um, they're like, "Well, that is Orleans, you know? And so um but uh uh anyways, the but as we're walking, as we're walking along, um our bodies are acting like things are not stable. And so we're improperly un- responding to something. but the guess what? It was stable. Everything was fine but our bodies were not used to it being fine. So then it was just awkward, and the kids were like, do you feel like you're still on the boat? we are like, yeah, I feel like I'm still on the boat. And so we're, trying, we're walking weird, and everything is completely fine. And it took us a little while. It honestly took us about a day and a half for it to not feel like we were still on the boat. Our bodies kept trying to make adjustments when everything was right. And so many times for us when, we are, when we're learning how to, this life in Christ is life is so broken for so long. We're just used to people being jerks. And so we automatically walk into a situation that somebody's gonna, gonna be upset. And all of a sudden the grace of God's at work and we don't know how to handle that. Man, I tell you what, somebody from the north comes down and experience San Angelo Chick-fil-A and they're like, I got blessed all over the place. What is the matter with this place? They don't know. People don't know how to respond. People don't know how to respond when things are life-giving. A lot of times we don't know how to respond. That all of a sudden God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But we're still trying to figure, I don't know that I really can walk there. And the truth is, is we can. We can boldly walk where God's word is. Has called us to walk. We're not used to things being sure. We're not used to things being steady. We're used to having to have two or three backup plans. Hold on to the wall as we move through life. But the truth is. Is to be able to live this life of faith. God's word is solid. And even though nothing else in life is. God's word is. And we got to learn again. How to walk freshly. In God's word. And with that. Since our systems can be off, our mental adjustments can be off, then it's going to require correction. It took a little while for our bodies, which were designed to walk on solid surfaces, but had been walking on unsolid. They were designed to walk on solid surfaces. It took us a little while to adjust to be able to function that way. So guess what? Don't, don't beat yourself up if you are still learning to adjust to trust in God and walking in, walking in faith in Him. Sometimes it feels a little awkward. and You're like, I did this all day. It's still weird. I got up the next morning and it still feels awkward. Well, guess what? Just keep going, keep moving. But with that, there's going to be corrections. You're going to bring be corrections. Our bodies thought things were broken and they weren't broken. They thought that things were unsteady and they were steady. And it required continuous correction to, and being continuously connected with what was right for everything to eventually just adjust. So as we go through this, and this, this week we're calling auto-correct. Because in our lives, we need to let the scriptures be the autocorrect in our lives. We'll begin to try to say something and go a direction with our lives. And the word should begin to come and go, nope, let's adjust that. Nope, let's adjust that. I know autocorrect on your phone drives you crazy. And, you know, and there's constantly, I'm having to send little adjustments to my text. Praise God, as a pastor, nothing's been horribly inappropriate. And so, um, you know, but it'll just, there'll be some word that just makes no sense in my text after I already sent it. Uh, You'd think a proofread everything, but it just autocorrected something. But in our lives, there are some places where we need the Holy Spirit to bring some. Some autocorrect where things need to just be adjusted on the fly. And let's look at what how Jesus did this. Jesus brought correction when people tried to use the scriptures in, for self-centered reasons. Now, here's the thing: is we when we're disconnected from church, we come into to church, we come into the to the life in Christ, we say yes to Jesus. Um, if you have been raised in church, you recognize. Um, you know, that there's that, you know this is just the way things go. But somebody who is new to church comes in and goes, man, there's a whole new list of vocabulary. There's a whole new list of things. There's different uh, ways people operate. And some groups of believers, people's voices will change. They're like, outside, they talk one way, and then they walk into a church and, hello, brother, how are thou doing? You're like, what are you doing? What happened to your voice? It's my church voice. I'm at church. And so, uh, um, but praise God, we don't want to do that here. Uh, If I ever do that, just say, Pastor Brandon, stop that. And so, um, you have my permission. And so, I hope I never do. But there's these things, we begin to, there's these learned behaviors that can come along. um, And we need, um, and we begin to, can begin to play church before we're fully redeemed. We begin to try to do what we think needs to happen with the scriptures to be able to connect with a new culture and connect with with a new group of people. And even though things begin to maybe look and we adjust our vocabulary and we adjust some of the things we do, maybe even the way we dress and some different things, that there's still a bunch of things that aren't quite aligned with who Jesus is down deep in our hearts. And so in that, the root of all of our brokenness is a place where we tend to be so self-centered. And we can just begin to take everything and make and twist it for our benefit. We will try to twist everything for our benefit. That's why the scriptures are so challenging for us. Because we're, we're supposed to love others. Jesus says even more than we love ourselves. The Old Testament says love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says love Your neighbors, like, I loved you and gave myself up. Oh, man, that's that's some challenging stuff. That's some challenging stuff for us. And so while we're doing that, we can begin to do this church thing, but we can begin to use it for self-centered reasons. Begin to read the scriptures and read it for self-centered reasons. Begin to do church life and do it for self-centered reasons. And here in Matthew 21... We see one of Jesus' more aggressive moments. And uh, see in Matthew 21, verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple area and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And it it is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So here he goes in and he is upset and he doesn't say, I've got my own opinions about what temple worship is supposed to look like. He references, he goes back and he goes back into Isaiah 56 and he says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. And when I walk in and I look at all that's going on, this is not that. He says, it's written, that is what it's supposed to be. Jesus' framework for how he saw things should be was based on the scriptures was based on that, and so he begins to go in and make the adjustment. Now, what was happening is is that the at the temple that was there was the sacrificial system the 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 Jewish sacrificial system that that was taking place, and people would travel all of these distances and they had to have certain animals and they had to have certain certain things for the for this process and people were capitalizing on that they would sit there and and sell their um sell these things at way too high prices. They forced them to buy the sacrifices, not with their local current, with the currency that they brought in their pockets. So then they would have they would get taken advantage advantage of when they would change it into the temple currency. And then they would take that temple currency that they that they got partially robbed with and then go over here and have to buy something that they got partially robbed with. And instead of that, this person having this encounter with with God they felt like they got that they showed at the temple and they just got taken advantage of and taken advantage of and taken advantage of. These people didn't feel more connected and closer, more understanding of the heart of God. They saw nothing but being taken advantage of. And this drove Jesus up the wall. And these people said, well, they've got to have sacrifices and they've got to do these things. And, and they had twisted this system for their own benefit. They could go to chapter and verse to say why that particular dove was necessary, why that particular kind of lamb was necessary. They could go to chapter and verse, but they missed the heart of what it was all about. It was supposed to be a house of prayer. And we've got to make sure that in our thing, that sometimes we can quote chapter and verse, but we have to make sure that the Holy Spirit lets has us, that we are tracking on what God says is truly important, that this relationship with God is about a relationship with God, not about a new religious system to come and to go to church and to do our thing and, and to give to this and to give to that and to serve here and to serve there. Giving and serving and all of that is important. We talked about it last week that you belong and then you serve. But we don't serve to belong. And so we understand some of these core things but Jesus brought correction. Next thing we see is that uh, um, God has given us His Word to reveal Himself, not to conceal us. And for too long, too many of us have used God's Word and be able to quote chapter and verse on a way to justify our lack of Christ likeness, sadly, instead of it challenging us to step into more Christ likeness. Let's go ahead and look, look at Luke chapter 10 says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? And he replied, how do you read it? Jesus asked the guy, how do you read it? He expected that guy to be able to spend time in the scriptures, and the scriptures speak to him. Here's a guy talking to Jesus and says, what is, what is required? And Jesus immediately points him back to the scriptures. Folks, there's a lot of times that the Holy Spirit, as we begin to see it, will point us back to the word. Point us back to the word. Jesus points him back to the word. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. Jesus replied, "Do this and you will live." But he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. Man, that thing is too challenging. Go and love others like that. That is too challenging. So he wants to justify himself. So we asked Jesus, "And who is my neighbor what is the limit to do this Is my neighbor just just my neighbor you know both sides maybe the one that shares an alley maybe the one across the street okay the catty corner people too where's one where of my neighbors okay whole block whole block maybe it's a whole block uh, okay two block radius Everybody? No. No, Lord, I live on the north side. I like the north side people. Those south side, those central bobcats, we don't like them. And the bobcats, like we don't like the chiefs. Do I have to love the chiefs, Lord? Do I have to love the wall hawks, Lord? Do I have to love, do I have to love people from California? Lord, what is the... What is the limit? What is the limit? There's got to be a limit. And he wants to justify himself. So he knows the scriptures. He knows these things. And he is wanting to be able to parse the language to be able to justify himself. Folks, what we need to do is we need to make sure that we go to the scriptures to, to learn who God is. Not to try to get just enough to protect ourselves and go, you know what? I'm good. The Bible says we ought to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. I, I know Sabbath is Saturday, but we do the Sunday thing. And, you know, I went to church this morning, so I'm good. I'm good. I did the little thing. No, you ought to be having a relationship with God every day. Not one day of the week. The whole point of that wasn't to have one day of the week. That we have our little God date. I have a date with you, God. It's date day. Me and you, God. No, it's every day but we can so go to it and try to justify ourselves. And so in that, as the guy tries to justify himself, Jesus gives one of the most challenging parables to those people he ever gave, and that was the parable of the Good Samaritan, where he makes the peop- one of the people they despised the most the hero of the story. And the people they looked up to the most as the villains. And he challenged their core thinking on what it was. We're going to let him justify himself. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Lord, help me. <laughs> what a tall order as a husband its for me to love my wife like Jesus loves the church. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, Jesus here in this scriptures takes the word of God and washes us. He cleanses us to present to himself this blameless, spotless, cleansed bride. You know what that means? That means is the church initially is not blameless and not spotless and not wrinkle-free. So you, if you've been burnt by a spotted, blamed, wrinkly church, that's, that's the way it looks. That's the way it starts. Different processes. But if we let God wash us, let Jesus wash us with his word, that's why we have to spend time in his word. Why you need to spend time in his word. Yes, spending times like this, mo- this morning with, with teaching, that's great. But you just need to spend time in his word. That is where he begins to do the cleansing. That is when he begins to do those things. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you and, and show things to you. And, it's, and we're not trying to make ourselves so we can present ourselves blameless and spotless and wrinkle-free. But we let Him do it. And when we get frustrated and we see the places where we've got blame and we see the places where we're spotted, we go, Jesus, I, I need some more right here. Jesus, I need some more. I need some more of your word. It's not that it's now there's place to challenge for us to do this in and of ourselves. It's a, it's a beautiful, miraculous work that He does in our lives. But He does it through the scriptures and He brings correction to us. He makes things the way they ought to be. See, the truth is, is Jesus came to fulfill the law so that we can fully live. Trying for us, trying to fulfill the law brings death. Paul calls it the ministry of death. It says, the ministry of death written with words on stones. He calls the Ten Commandments... The ministry of death. Not that we look down on any of that or whatnot, But it, what it did is it revealed to us that we were dead in our trespasses. It revealed to us that we were already dead in our sin. And the ministry that Jesus brings is the ministry of life. And so Jesus fulfilled the law so that that is taken care of. Not that all of a sudden now that we don't honor our parents and all those different things. No, but now we are empowered so we can honor our parents. Now we're empowered so we can live the life that we're called to live. Let's look at Matthew 5 verse 17. It says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He didn't come to abolish it. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least command, least of these commands and teach, teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So here's somebody who is, who is getting rid of these commands and teaching people the same thing. Says they're the least in the kingdom, but they're in the kingdom. And whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom. They're in the kingdom. Says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those are the ones everybody thought were sure had the fast track to heaven, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So the one who who taught people to to disregard parts of it was least in the kingdom. They were in. Then there's the person who obeyed and taught people how to rightly connect with it. They were great in the kingdom. But these, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they're not even in the kingdom. The ones everybody thought. So how on earth, what does this look like? How does righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees? Well, Romans chapter 3 tells us. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. It's faith that Jesus fulfilled everything that needed to be fulfilled. That he made everything right that needed to be made right. And that he is fully our justification. That is how our righteousness, it's that righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees and the the teachers of the law. As we receive it by faith. And We receive it by faith. See, Jesus came not merely to change our actions, but to renew the root of our actions. And so right as he has said this, then he comes in in verse 21, and he begins to reframe the way they connect with things they thought they understood pretty well. Okay? Verse 21, he says, You've heard it said to the people long ago. Now, this phrase, you have heard it said, normally he says it is written. Okay? And he's about to quote scripture. He's about to quote and it is written. But he said, you've heard it said. Okay? Okay? And the reason is, is because what he is saying, you have heard it said, is this is the teaching around, it was the common teaching around what had been written. So he is going to clarify this common teaching around what was it is, the it is written so that they can get back to the it is written part. get understand the heart of it. You have heard that it was said, people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That part is added. The the deal said you should not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. He said, actually, this goes deeper. You think if if it's an action, if I just don't kill you, I can want to kill you. I can hate you. I can wish you were gone. But I'm just not doing it, so I'm good. It says, no. We're still getting into the heart stuff. We're still getting into the issue. It says says, anyone of you who, um, who says to his brother or sister, raka, um, that is uh, not a, an English word. We're, everything else is English. Then all of a sudden it goes back to this Aramaic word. Um, that's because to rightly translate raka, uh, we would find it offensive. We, it's, a, it's, a, it's a curse word. So here Jesus drops the R word in his preaching, and it's the R word, and that's why we leave it the R word, because if we were to do it right, it says um, empty head, or you fool, if you try to look up the definition. Um, All of our curse words have some sort of fairly innocuous definition of, oh, that's what that means, but it doesn't mean that. There's all this hate and connection and, and, and vitriol that is connected with that word. And that's why it's used instead of its little sweeter meaning, little less offensive meaning. Jesus said, you know, you, you do this, that, that this is what's understood, that if you drop the R word, ooh, that's bad, you're going to go and you're gonna, you're going to answer to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. It says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember your brother or sister has something against you. Temple worship was the most important thing to the Jewish people. It was the most important thing. Nothing could come in the way of that. But he says, if you're there, you've made it all the way and you're there at the altar and you're almost finished with presenting your gift. There was a big process to get to that moment. It wasn't like you and I just sitting there dropping a check or something. There was a big religious cleansing process. He says, and in that moment, you remember you've got a problem with a brother or sister. Stop what you're doing. Leave it there. Go fix that. Because guess what? Your connections with the people I love are just as important as this over here. Go fix that, and I'll come over here and finish that moment. It's important. Finish it. But stop. Put it on pause and go and fix those places of tension. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. They thought that if I just don't smack you, then I'm going to clear no matter how bad I want you. And Jesus says, you know what? You got to deal with it in here. That is what this is about the whole time. He goes on in verse 27 of and says, You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. Adultery is an act. He says, and they're like, just don't do that. And you're in the clear. And Jesus says, Nope, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He says, you don't want to how that this is. What this is about. It's about not just honoring your wife in a way, as he's talking to these Jew- Jewish men, it's not just honoring your wife in a way that you don't step into this technical act. He said, Honor your wife in a way that you guard your heart, that you don't let your eyes, your mind, your anywhere go in a way that might lead you to that technical act is that Jesus is dialing it deeper. It's about this heart issue, and he's bringing correction. Why? Because so many times, if we're not fully open to, to God, we will find whatever we think is technical. We'll ride that technical line, and at that point, we have pushed out God. We've just taken his little requirements, and there's no relationship anymore. It's just another dead religion. And that's not what he's come to bring. He has come to bring life. So as we are coming back to the scriptures, as we are revisiting the scriptures, this is our bottom line today, that your openness to correction is your openness to God's direction. And there are things in your life that are just gonna have to be corrected. There are things in your life that just aren't lined up with God's nature and who he is and your true openness to his direction is your openness to his correction and so I want us to just create a moment here and now for all of us where we just say God God I I don't want to use your word as a place to hide myself to justify my actions. Lord, I want to put myself in your hands. I want you to cleanse me with the washing of your word. The places of me that aren't fully renewed and don't line up with who you are, Lord, change them. Change them. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to come in and just speak change us. Lord, we're used to things not being solid. But God, you're solid. We're used to trying to lean on ourselves a little too much. But Lord, we're choosing to lean on you. And so, Lord, this morning, Lord, those of us who've been walking with you for years, Lord, we just say, Lord, help us take the next step. Lord, we're hungry for you like the day we said yes to you. We're hungry for you like that first day. And we move forward with you. And we really grow with you. We really let you bring life. And Father, Lord, I want to lift up all the voices and the, and the people who, who are here. who, Lord, who their hearts are crying out right now. That they're ready to know you. That they're ready to say yes. That they see that it's not about them doing something for you. It's about what you did for them. And so right now, if that's you, I just want to lend you some some words and we're going to pray these out together. If that's you, you're ready to step over from death to life and make Jesus your Lord, heaven your home. Just pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for you doing the work. And I get the benefit today I know that I am right with you because of what Jesus did. You've given me life. And I invite you to change me. To wash me with your word. To change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes. You just stand up. And we're going to go out of here this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for all that you've done and all that you are. We're so thankful that you've given us your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we go out of here looking to you to guide us and lead us. You're You're the author and you're the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.